Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. Welcome to the Sunday edition of Heritage Bible Radio, where Pastor Jim Harris has wrapped up Chapter 20 of the Book of Revelation. This week, we've been answering questions from God's Word about death, heaven, and hell, and how to assure that we would never end up in that place known as the Lake of Fire. We need not wonder about these questions because the Bible provides very clear answers, and it is the only source that provides the true answers. In this final segment of the sermon, Pastor Jim wants to make it very clear what is required to assure the heavenly existence and not the judgment seen here at the end of chapter 20. Since the Bible describes here that it all depends on which of two books contains our name, what does it take to assure your name is in the book of life? Only these will escape the second death. What must you do to assure a heavenly eternity and not a hellish one? Here is the last segment of the message entitled, The Second Death. When the only way to escape that judgment is to have your name written in the book of life, there will be a blank space where the name once was of every person who never believed in Christ for salvation. God so loved the world He gave His only begotten Son so that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The only way you will experience the lake of fire is if you do not accept the free gift of life in Christ Jesus. And that's why the final verse of this chapter says what it says. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. God is not unfair. God is not unjust. God is not arbitrary. God is not capricious. You receive his son. His righteousness is applied to you, and you're saved. Or you can stand before him, They can look down all the list of all of those names in the book of life. And if yours is not there, they can say, okay, well then let's consult the other books and see if you were perfect. Because that's the only way to get in. You know, um, it's one of those passages that I would never choose to make my choice to preach to my friends in my church where I fellowship? Because I don't want to believe that there's one single person here that needs to hear this message, but maybe there is. Maybe it's you. When we speak of being saved, what are we talking about? We're talking about being saved from the lake of fire. How is the lake of fire described? Conscious, eternal torment, day and night, forever and ever, that you will reap because of your sin. Are you saved? Are you sure? 
You know, it's popular in our world, in the world of uh, American churchianity, to kind of water down things like sin and righteousness and judgment. And now pastors are actually trained to go out and reach the unchurched. I promise you, at the great white throne, there will not be a question that says, have you received church into your life? Have you trusted church? Now, I don't like the fact that there are so many unchurched. I don't like the fact that we live in a part of the country where the lowest percentage of people even attend church. And yes, I wish that we needed to have 17 services a week to to fill this place to capacity until we could find something bigger. Yes, I want people in church. Why? Because church is where the saved people come to worship and fellowship and provoke each other to love and good deeds and to be taught and encouraged and built up and and, and nourished and and cared for and, and, and helped through their hard times. But we don't need people to get churched. We need people to get saved. And if anyone's name is not found written in the book of life, they'll be thrown into the lake of fire. This week, a friend of mine sent me an excerpt from a sermon from undoubtedly the most well-known, the most famous preacher of the 19th century. Charles Spurgeon. He, I wonder what he thinks, if he's aware in heaven of all the times that he's quoted. God used him. And he was preaching on Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 6, when it says, When I passed, and I'll just, use, I'll just leave the King James in there because he did it. When I passed by thee, I said unto thee, Live. Now, that's from God, speaking about giving eternal life to those who would believe. Here's what Spurgeon wrote. Remember the text, Ezekiel 16, 6, When I passed by thee, I said unto thee, live. Here's what he said. Saved one, consider gratefully this mandate of mercy. Note that this fiat of God is majestic. In our text, we perceive a sinner with nothing in him but sin, expecting nothing but wrath. But the eternal Lord passes by in His glory. He looks, He pauses, and He pronounces the solitary but royal word, Live. There speaks a God. Who but He could venture thus to deal with life and dispense it with a single syllable? Again, This fiat is manifold. When he saith live, it includes many things. Here is judicial life. The sinner is ready to be condemned, but the mighty one saith live, and he rises pardoned and absolved. It is spiritual life. We knew not Jesus. Our eyes could not see Jesus. Our ears would not hear his voice. Jehovah said live, and we were quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Moreover, it includes glory life, which is the perfection of spiritual life. I said unto thee, live, and that word rolls on through all the years of time till death comes. And in the midst of the shadows of death, the Lord's voice is still heard, live. In the morning of the resurrection, it is that selfsame voice which is echoed by the archangel, live. 
and as holy spirits rise to heaven to be blessed forever in the glory of their God, it is in the power of this same word, live. Note again that it is an irresistible mandate. Saul of Tarsus is on the road to Damascus to arrest the saints of the living God. A voice is heard from heaven and a light is seen above the brightness of the sun and Saul is crying out, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? This mandate is a mandate of free grace. When sinners are saved, it is only and solely because God will do it to magnify His free, unpurchased, unsought grace. Christians, see your position. Debtors to grace. Show your gratitude by earnest Christ-like lives. And as God has bidden you live... See to it that you live in earnest. End of Spurgeon, back to Harris. I know that's like going from the hot fudge sundae to the plain vanilla. But there's the great white throne, my friends. I beg you, accept this great gift of God, which is free grace. Accept this majestic gift of spiritual life which leads to eternity and glory and live the rest of your life in earnest gratitude for what God has freely given you in place of the lake of fire that you deserve. And don't let, as much as depends upon you, anyone's name you know not be found in the book of life. You have the most glorious message in the world. Some people might turn you off. Some people might abandon you. Some people might reject you. Some people might not like you. They might gossip about you. They might undermine you. They might fire you. They might persecute you for telling them the truth. Would you rather endure that or have them go to the lake of fire? Keep telling the truth. Let's pray. Our Father, we know you are the one who will, with your Son, at the appointed time, sit on that great white throne. O Lord, may it be that everyone here will have his or her name recorded forever in the book of life. Father, there have been several who have touched the lives of people in our church who have just in this past few days and weeks departed this world and gone into your presence and how we thank you that in every one of their cases there was evidence that they have put their faith in Christ, that they are with you for eternity. And Lord, we all know people who are in danger of standing there and being judged according to their deeds by what is written in the books. Oh, please bring your grace into their lives. Make us the instruments instruments of speaking your truth in love, of ministering your grace by the power and the truth of your word and by the work of your spirit. We thank you that you have taught us the awfulness of judgment the terribleness, the indescribable horror of the lake of fire that we might understand. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.